Thank you, Reverend Catherine. Welcome. I see so many new faces, and it's just wonderful. So welcome. Um, I'm, I'm, as Dorothy said in The Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home. It was great leaving, and it was great coming back. And, and we were gone for, Laura and I, were for about 18 days. So I'm going to talk a bit about that. But right now, what I'd like to do, and if you're new here, I, I want to speak to that. We are a teaching that has that passes way back prior to Christianity, the perennial truth, that consciousness precedes experience. And so we're a group of independent thinkers. We don't, we don't like to join anything um, that come together in celebration through music and through message and through our, our consciousness to remind ourselves of the truth of our being, which is despite our histories and our stories and our past experiences, that there is a, a, this essence of life that lives at the core of each and every one of us that is the thing itself, as Dr. Ernest Holmes, who was our founder, said. And so our practices and our, our purpose for being together is to remind one another of that as things are falling behind me. That's, that's one of the past ministers that's made the transition no longer in form back there, um, saying, you go, boy. But I want to I let you know that uh, we honor you wherever you are in your spiritual path. We're so glad that you're, you've been guided here today. And perhaps the peace that will allow you to walk through that next door of opportunity in your own consciousness, in your own life, will be provided today. So what we know as well is that people come for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. And we honor all of it. We are here to share with you the best that we have unconditionally, without expectation. So if you're here for this moment and there's value in that, we celebrate that. And what, as I tingle in this knowing it is the love that we share in that communication beneath and upon the words beneath and upon the music and so I hope that gives you a little bit of insight who we are and what we do and in this moment what I'd like to do and to build upon this beautiful music ministry that we've just heard is to invite you to stand with me and sing a very a very short prayer called in this very room I've sung it so many times, I don't, know the t- I don't know the title of it anymore. And then I will, I will share an affirmative prayer from my heart. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, There's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit, in this very room in this very room in this very room what I know in this moment speaking in the I am for myself but knowing that honors and is shared with each person here that is in the agreement with it there's one life, perfect life God's life, spirit's life 
That life is my life in this moment. And as I affirm that, as I choose that, I know that my vibration and my way of being is shifted and changed in this moment completely. And my knowing is that I'm guided and led, inspired, directed through everything, everyone for my highest and best expression of life here and now. And so I'm grateful to know that I stand in divine co-creation with that divine presence, that I am in consistent and powerful and wonderful awareness, intuitively, physically and spiritually, guided and directed in many and wonderful ways, and to show up. And because I know that about myself, and I know that about myself, I fear nothing. I stand with you fearless in this unconditional, beautiful, real love of this moment. Nothing, nothing can diminish the truth of who I am and what I am. And when my thoughts turn to that sense of fear or lack or limitation or not enough, I just say, get thee behind me right now. This is no longer my experience. So I live internally inspired, not externally driven. And I stand with you in that. I stand with myself in that each and every moment. And when I forget that, I lovingly and passionately do the work in each moment to bring myself back to that awareness to stand in that truth and I stand in it in this moment and I celebrate each person that hears these words and says yes but that is the truth of our being there is nothing to fear there is no lack there is no limitation there is no evil on this planet the eradication of that and more as long as we stand together in this love and this awareness and continue to return to it consistently and know that it is our place this destiny that we have is here and now I celebrate that for myself. I celebrate all of the challenges and obstacles that have brought me to this awareness that have, that have burned away the dross of my, my personality to stand with you in this. For this I give thanks, knowing this day, this, this, this sharing, this opportunity to be together is perfect in every good way, inspires and carries all of us forward to that new and next and right awareness that is so powerful and transformative for you and I. And in that process, we bless the planet, we bless everyone as we become a bigger us. And I, for this I give thanks, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you, Brown. Sorry I got carried away there a little bit in the prayer. It's, but it's true. It's true. You know, I just got back from Asilomar, so if you're new, I'm going to catch you up to speed a little bit. Asilomar is our annual conference. It is in this beautiful little cove on the coast of California, about two hours south of San Francisco by car. It is between Monterey and uh, Carmel-by-the-Sea, and, it and it's a, a YMCA camp, and it's run by a company. That, and, and so there's a conference there every year, and we, we go, uh, or we can go. And it's a place that has been, as Laura and I were walking around the grounds, I thought, of, there's so many things in my life that have changed by being part of this group and part of this movement and, and, and attending that annual conference. I never would have come to Edmonton had I not been there and spoke in chapel and when Wesleyan Mather and Catherine Waters came to me and, and said, we loved your talk in chapel and you're going to be our next minister in, in Edmonton. <laughs> I just thought, uh-huh, sure I am. But all of those things and uh, the rites of passage for me. So when I walk on those grounds, personally, it's just uh, uh, amazing. And it's what it, we have been attending as a group for 58 years. Dr. Ernest Holmes, our founder, went there 58 years ago for the first time with a group of about 30, 38 people, I think it was. And we have built that ever since. So this past uh, week, we, I was there with Laura. I attended the board meeting. The, uh, I'm part of the leadership council. And then, I, and then we went to the uh, conference. And, um, uh, and so there's, each day is activities. There's speakers, 
there's, there's panels that I'll speak about in a moment. Uh, there's oral panels for ministers in various degrees of their, their ministries. Um, and there's uh, workshops. It's just amazing. It was an incredible, you know, I say it every time I go, but this truly was probably my favorite of Silomar of all time. And so I, I, what I'd like to do too, and my commitment to myself is to keep that alive because it's so wonderful to, to bring people, to bring members of the community, which we were able to do this year, to, to share that and bring that back. And so much of what we do, so much of what you see here around music and message uh, and around how we do classes and how we do workshops, a lot of it comes from that experience and seeing how others do it. So it's really a wonderful, wonderful event. What, one of the things that made it quite wonderful for me this time is that we had, I didn't know, but there were going to be two ministers that, that actually were my students a number of years ago. That, uh, and one of them has been with us the whole time. Uh, and the other one is in a, in a focus ministry. And both of them were there to go through their ordination panels. Ordination is a rite of passage in our movement where we, we, we like to see a track record with ministers before we ordain them. And ordination is really a marriage ceremony with, with spirit. And it's a commitment to a life of, of, of ministry. And for staff ministers especially, or focus ministers, it takes quite a bit more time than it does if you're a, a, a spiritual director or if you're a senior minister in an organization. My, my ordination happened after about four years because I was doing it pretty much full time. So the staff ministers, it takes a bit more because there's hours and there's a, there's a, there's a body of work that gets cre- uh, created. And so what I wanted to announce to you is that we have two of our 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 uh, offspring that come from our our community um, that were ordained this past week. One was Reverend Terry Rambold, who has a focus ministry and is now in Calgary. And the other is our very own Co- uh, Reverend Connie Nissen. And I'd like to bring Connie up and have her share with you a little bit. Her ordination path. Thank you. Well, first of all, I would like to, uh, this, this was a very special moment because um, I was originally licensed as a minister and some people at the first service said to me, I thought you, you were a minister and, and I have been a minister for, for six years since I was licensed in 2006 and thanks to Reverend Patrick Cameron who was my ministerial teacher at that time and, um, and these past six years I have... Uh, been serving you. And so when I was uh, invited to be interviewed with the uh, panel uh, for ordination, it was such a gift. And, and I felt surprisingly calm going there. And, and I think a lot of that was because every person that I have uh, sat with in prayer, in class, in a service with, in any way, shape, or form. And that's all of you and so many people beyond. Each one of you were with me in my heart. And I I felt a very powerful and positive energy going into my interview. And um, um, it takes about half an hour, 45 minutes, uh, and they question you and they look at your record and they they question you on what you've done and what you haven't done. (laughs) And, um, you know, I left the interview not knowing if, they liked my answers. They stay very stoic. And when I went back in to receive the, the news, uh, they were all beaming. And they just all stood up and they formed a circle around me and hugged me. And, and I guess I knew I passed at that point. <laughs> uh, 
And, and it was so wonderful because I, in the end, I don't think the answers to their questions were really what they were looking for. There was something that preceded me before I even got to that room that made clear and plain the path for me to take that next milestone. And I so look forward to now this new beginning as an ordained minister uh, in continuing ministry with all of you and those who are yet to walk through our doors. So thank you for all of your love and support as well. Thank you. Thank you, and congratulations again. So I, I sat on panels. I didn't sit on Reverend Connie's. There were, there were 19 ministers and, uh, uh, that were there for either licensing or ordination. And so I sat on some ordination panels, and I sat on some licensing panels. And, and to a person, her, I know all three people on her panel. There's three people, ministers, that sit on a panel and interview. And, did, and they all came up to me afterwards and said, Wow! Man, she's amazing. And I said, yeah, she is. Like I always tell my students, you know, a good student can learn from anybody when they start complaining about me. And she's, she just continues to learn and, 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 and be such a beacon and represent our teaching so well. And the other piece of it was that um, I, years ago I said to Wayne Lee, we're going to get you involved with the organization. And so I, I threw some, some um, lobbying on my part with uh, leadership. Um, I was able to get Wayne's name put forward. And Wayne came uh, with us, or we got, he was brought in as a keynote speaker, and then he did a workshop, and it was wonderful. It was just absolutely wonderful. People come up to me afterwards and say, you have Reverend Connie and Wayne Lee in your congregation? What are you doing up there? And I, I said, well, we all drink this little cup of Kool-Aid before we start every Sunday. And, <laughs> but Wayne really represented us well. He really did a wonderful, uh, wonderful job, and people were so touched and, and, um, and moved and, and impressed with the quality of person he is. And he had the entire, there's a large hall there called Merrill Hall where everyone meets for the evening sessions. And he just had the play. He did his, his hypnosis show that night. And then, he, and then his workshop is he gives you a look behind it, how he sets it up, which is wonderful for ministers and practitioners about the use of words and the use of his body and the use of his consciousness. And he was really wonderful. He, he sort of wove our teaching into what he had to share with people. So it was really well received. And he did a wonderful job. The other piece that uh, was, was um, uh, quite wonderful, and the thing that's happening for us as a leadership council is we are, we are finding ways to, uh, we are in the, I'm part of this new leadership council, and there's, there's the evolution of it has been said that there's four stages of it, and the first one is forming. We've all been elected, so we've been formed. Now we're storming. And it's an interesting process to be part of that, to watch the, uh, the various ideas, because there's two cultures that are coming together and they're clashing. And uh, to watch Reverend Dr. Ken Gordon um, uh, stand in the middle of that as our spiritual leader, our new spiritual leader for the community, is quite interesting and fascinating. And one of the things I love about Dr. Ken is he's just so clear. Um, One of the presenters, and I'll tie this in with what I just said, and I'm trying to give you a brief overview. You come back with so much information, so I... Uh, and it's such a powerful experience. How we go forward next year and, and, and support people in being there, uh, I've got some ideas that we'll talk about going forward. But uh, one of the presenters that was, that was there was uh, a fellow by the name of Greg Baer, B-A-E-R. And Greg has written a book. He's written about 14 books. His first book was called Real Love. And so he did a work. He did one evening with the group in the large hall, and then he did a workshop. And he was wonderful, and he was, and he was such a great example of how Dr. Ken... Uh, leads um, he was telling me we stayed in the director's cottage with he and his wife Laura and I did with he and his wife uh, Deborah and another couple it's a sort of a little cabin up on the uh, back in the uh, 
in the uh, compound there of the, y, the old YWCA camp. And it's not all that it, you, you think it would be because there's woodpeckers that show up every morning at 5 o'clock to let you know it's time to get up. And if you got to bed at 2 in the morning, it's just not a lot of time to, you know, you, you just say, wow, that didn't take long at all to get a full night's sleep, did it? But, uh, but in discussion, in why, it's very interesting because what Greg Bear said that when we tell the truth, the truth is the portal to real love. And, and, he's, and so when we tell the truth, that is the pathway. And so what he did is he would bring people up, and, it's, and it, he had people volunteer to, to do some of this work with him. So he's very, it's very one-on-one. But he did it before 550 people in Merrill Hall. And, and so he'd bring somebody up, and they would, he'd say, what's going on? What's alive for you? And they would just start to cry and sob. And he'd, say, he'd put his arm around him and say, okay, so let me see if I get this right. You feel worthless. You don't feel loved. Uh, you feel discounted, uh, diminished, on and on and on. And he would go on with the whole description. And he'd say, how am I doing? And the person sobbing would nod. And he'd say, okay. And then he would turn the person towards him. And he'd say, now look, I'm here as a presence of unconditional love. When Sue, Sue sang this song, God is Love, that's truly what we're about. It's truly what the goal, this is truly the destination for all of us. And so Greg Bear would look this person in the eye and he would wipe the tears away with his thumbs and then he would, what he would do is he'd put his, he would put his head, his nose right next to theirs as he would talk to them. And he said, I'm here, I have no agenda. I'm just here to love you. And he said, real love is that your, your commitment is to the happiness of the other individual without any looking for anything in return. And this is the, exactly what the Buddha stood for. It's exactly what Jesus of Nazareth did. But to stand and say, now look, and I've got to tell you something. It, it, and he worked with these people over and over again. It was, and when he's working with them, he's working with all of us. Because you get it. Because we're all connected. You see, the reason we do the spiritual work, I mean... I'm so clear about this coming back. The reason that we do the work, why we do the prayer work, and we put down the biases, and we put down this sense of fear about life, because as he said, I don't fear anything. He said, I have these 400-pound guys that come in, and they're all... And he said, I start asking them questions, and they get angry. He says, I don't care. I have no fear. I'm here to love you, but I'm here to tell you the truth. And so he was doing this work, and he said that, you know, he would, he, would, he would just say, I stand in unconditional love with you. And he said, for most of us, it all happened before we were four years old. Something happened. It doesn't have to be physical abuse. It doesn't have to be sexual abuse. It just has to be something like, you know, you see the frustration in your parents. From, you know, you get over here right now. You know, that kind of thing. All of it works on us. And, it, and it ha- it, we internalize. It all happened before we were four years old. And he said, it's really stepping into unconditional love. So he says, it's loving without expectation. And so he'd stand there with somebody and he'd hold their hand or he'd hug them or he'd have his face next to theirs. He said, with his, he had a couple up there working with him. And so he said, I want you to really listen. I don't want you to put the TV on mute. Next time she has something to say, you really listen. And he said, and most people ask me when that happens, how long do I, men will say, well, how long do I really listen? He said, you get right there with her, nose to nose, and you really listen. And once again, how long? And he would say, as long as she has something to say. And you're present. And he said, I'll tell you about my, and I can relate to this with my own partner, the unconditional love that brought us together, because the unconditional love was really the thing that brought us together. Oh, it'll be okay. 
See a look on his face. I got to go down and be with the kids. Oh, but there we go. That happened. He said, you know what? And he said, for all of us, what happened to us, what our parents did to us was not our fault. But our parents did to us was not our fault. But he said, what's our responsibility is to, to, to heal it. That's our opportunity. And so we, he had this couple, and he said, you listen as long as she has something to say. It was just, it was an amazing guy. And there are real love circles in a lot of churches. And it ties in so beautifully with the Marcia Sutton work that, that I've been doing. It was like, wow. Because many times the, 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 the vocabulary and the experience is different, but they're all saying the same thing. All move into that love. So Greg Bear was just amazing. So when I'm in the board meeting and I'm watching Dr. Ken Gordon, and he's standing there, and people are saying, well, this certain group and a really loved certain group would really like this and this and this and this. And so people in leadership would, would because our tendency, and Greg Bear would call it imitation love. When we're nice, when our first, and this is the problem that the couple had when they said, oh, we never fight, we're always really nice. He said, that's imitation love. That's just imitation. And there's so many forms of it you don't realize. So he said that when we're at the board meeting, here's, here's people in leadership that have been around forever, and Dr. Ken, they're having a discussion about this group that would really like this and this and this. And they're, and they're hemming and hawing because they're meeting with the group. I wasn't in the meeting. Dr. Ken was telling me about it uh, afterwards. He said, and they're hemming and hawing, and they're making excuses, and they're saying the things that he knows that they want to hear. And finally, he said, I just looked at him and said, look, it ain't going to happen. No. It's not going to happen. I get, it. I get what you want, but it isn't going to happen. And he said, but, but he said, I get it. And, and for, for Ken, Dr. Ken, that's love. Tell the truth and tell it fast. Because the truth is the portal to the love. Because you would watch people light up after they'd say, oh, I feel worthless and I'm not loved and I this, this, and I discounted on and on and on. The whole list. And he said, okay, good. Got that. That's the truth. Now here. That's, and that's not the truth of our being. It's not affirming that, but it's the reality of what someone's feeling in the moment. Huge difference. Because within our teaching, there's this, this tendency to think, well, we never use any of those words. We're always affirming everything's with ease and grace and lovely, and, and it's all, a, you know, everything's a, every day's a holiday, every meal's a banquet. But that's not the reality. So tell the truth so you can move through that portal to real love. And I love that. Watching, and when Dr. Ken came back and shared that with me, we, were, we did a lot of really deep conversation. It was wonderful to be able to spend so much time with him and be there to, to help help him debrief sometimes and just be there as a presence but but these are the kind of experiences this is the kind of things that we we brought in uh to to the asilomar experience and the wonderful ministers that put together workshops there's wonderful things that that go on throughout the week that it, it makes it just so rich and wonderful as a board a leadership council we don't call it the board we worked a great deal on our mission and vision and our purpose because when we, we integrated the organizations, we all had different vision statements. And what we came up with, and it looks like what's emerging as we had the conversation, was our vision is a world that works for everyone. A world that works for everyone. You know, the Heritage Festival is here right now. And a lot of our members are down there giving out free hugs. And I think it's just wonderful. I saw it on Facebook and I came back and everybody's meeting at 2 o'clock at the pavilion and wear your hug t-shirt. I don't have a hug t-shirt. I don't have a ticket to the... I've got to go home and unpack, as a matter of fact, do some laundry. But, but so it's a world that works for everyone. And the global vision, and, there's, and I'm going to make copies of this and we'll have it in the back for you, that the global vision 
for our centers. Number one, we envision all people, all beings, and all life as expressions of God. That's simple. All beings and all people all are expressions of God. We see a world in which every, each and every person lives in alignment with his or her highest spiritual principle, emphasizing unity with God and connection with each other, a world in which individuality and collectively we are called to a higher state of consciousness and action. I was with uh, Reverend, Ken, um, Reverend Keith Cox at the youth camp years ago when this, the, Malawi, the Malawi Schools Project was organized. And what we've done since then, I was there when we passed the hat. We said it's going to take $15,000 to build a school in Malawi. Let's do that. That seems like a good idea. Yeah, that'll be great. We want to change the world. We're going to build a school in Malawi. So we passed the hat amongst the youth. Most of them were teens, 350 teens. We raised $10,000 passing the hat to raise a school, to build a school. We needed 15. So then the global works person, which is Reverend Nadine Rogers, who's in Calgary, she said, global works will make up the difference. Let's build the first school. I said, fantastic. And it's wonderful. We've now done, I think, close to 15 schools. I'm not sure what the number is, but it's in the teens. And that's been great, and they continue to raise money. On the way to Asylum, I'm reading a book called Adapt. Um, I think the, the um, author's name is Timothy Hardwick, or something like that. But it's called Adapt, and, it's, and the subtitle is How Failure Always Precedes Success. And I think it's a question that we always need to keep asking ourselves, because is that the highest and most effective way to support people of Malawi or to make the world a, a world that works for everyone and in it they talked about a group that would, would their outreach to Africa was they would provide 30,000 books annually to this group in Africa so they did that and how they measured that was the number of books they, they distributed well they found out that the books were all in English and English was the third language for most of these kids so they were learning more than they knew but not a whole lot so then they pulled back and they said, well, maybe what it is is we don't give books. Maybe what we do is we make up these beautiful flip charts that are real easy, real portable, and then teachers can go in and they can teach that way because some people learn visually. And that worked better, and it was a lot less expensive than 30,000 books. So they, they studied that, and then they realized, you know what? This still isn't working very well. So they went in and they realized where we need to put the resources is these kids, all, almost all of them have intestinal worms. So most of them are sick all the time. So they can't learn because they're not healthy and strong enough to even give anybody their attention. So they, they started putting the resources into curing the intestinal worms. And lo and behold, over several months, the kids started putting weight on. They started growing. They could think. And their absentee rate was just phenomenally reduced from school. So it's a very... And I think those are the questions as, as us as human beings... And, and being on this planet and being people that want it, that I think we all want a world that works for everyone. We just need to keep asking those questions because providing the books is not a bad thing. But is it the highest and best and most efficient way to support and love others? And, and, and so I love that. I love that little piece out of, the, out of the, uh, that book, Adapt. I can't remember the names of the principals and, and the organizations that were doing it. I have to go back and research that. But I thought it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful insight into us, us as an organization. What is the highest and most effective way to teach this teaching? And make, because we don't have to do it all. What we can do, Dr. Ken and, and David Alexander, who's also on our leadership council, went the day after our board, or a few days after our board meeting, to meet with a very liberal group of Pentecostal uh, leaders. And, and Dr. Ken came back, and you know, you'd never think it would be a good collaboration with a group of Pentecostal um, uh, uh, leaders. And, and Dr. Ken came back, said it was beautiful. 
We told them what our vision is. We told them what we stand for. And we said, well, should we, you know, should we dance a bit? Should we stay engaged for a while before we get married? And the lady looked at him and says, honey, let's just kiss and get it over with. <laughs> and it was wonderful. So it's, it's, it's about strategic alliances. It's about partnering. You know, this Heritage Days is the largest multicultural event, one of the largest in the world, celebrating diversity, celebrating culture, celebrating cuisine, celebrating lifestyle. Because it's not about them adapting this or we adapt that or whatever. It's about the celebration. It's about the mosaic. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And it's such a good example of what, as an organization, we stand for. You know, there's all these points on this, this global vision for Centers for Spiritual Living. We envision a world where each and every person has enough food, a home, and a sense of belonging. A world of peace and harmony, enfranchisement and justice. You know, there's the action. But these are statements, these are words, because how we activate the law, how you, if you're here for the first time, how you activate the law, and we call it the law, and the law, Dr. Holmes correlated it to the Lord. This day the Lord hath made. And if you go back and you study it, the roots of that, it is the law. And what the law does is it responds to everything we are in our hearts and our minds and our beings. And so when we do affirmations, many times the affirmations don't feel real to us because the the existing consciousness we have is not in alignment with the affirmations. So the reason we do the affirmations is so that we can help shift into the consciousness of the experience that we long to be. Dr. Ken told a great story when we were there. He's got a, a, a science of mind ministerial class that's going on right now. And he uh, had his keynote address. And so he was getting ready to go into class and he's the new spiritual leader and he's real busy with his center and he's real busy with his, his 14, 15, 16 students. And, and his, his, one of his co-teachers, Dr. Casey Griba, Dr. Casey's been around forever. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. He's been around both organizations forever. Uh, he's pretty much retired now, but he's very involved with the movement and leadership. And so he said, uh, Ken said, well, you know, I'm, we're kind of in this new phase and I'm not, I, I don't know what I'm, I'm supposed to do and I don't know what I should be doing. And Dr. Casey, this was just before class started, and Dr. Casey said, oh, I see. You think you need to be doing something. He said, you don't need to be doing anything. You need to be, be becoming something. What are you becoming? Because that's what we're called. What does spirit have in store for you? What is alive within you? Because the, the, the truth of the matter is the design for that expression of love that, that is longed for on this planet, that's, that vibrancy, that fullness of life, already exists within every one of us. Each and every one of us. It's already there. It's already there. But we go out in the world and we see this and we experience this and we have these experiences. We had parents that gave us these gifts by the time we were four years old. That all that stuff we carry with us. And we forget that. You ever see a little kid when they're born? They're in love with everything. They're not afraid of anything other than heights and loud noises, from what I know. And so what it is, is it's a process of elimination so that we can get back into that state of that, that, that state of awareness of who and what we are. There is nothing, as I said in my treatment. So what Greg Bear said, I fear nothing. I fear nothing. And I want nothing from you. And when Wayne Lee was there, you know, one of the great things about Wayne is Wayne's just there to impart what he has. He just shares it. He didn't bring any marketing stuff. I said, did you bring any books or tapes or CDs? Because he could have sold everything. He had the place packed. 
And, the, and people resonated with his message so beautifully because he articulated that my word, your word, your consciousness, the discipline of your mind is what activates. It's the undisciplined mind. What keeps the undisciplined mind in place is our will. Mary Manon Morrissey talks about that. Our will. Our intention. The reason that you read these statements as an organization, the reason why you have a vision statement in your life is you, because for me, I need to go back to it to remind myself, oh, I made this vow and this vow and this vow. This is what I stand for. When I start to spin in the competition or the comparison or somebody doesn't like me or, you know, I've done something wrong or you've done something wrong, all that stuff that gets, just gets in the way of what wants to be expressed. And so what our spiritual practice will help us do is bring the clarity so that not that we don't have that experience, not that we don't slide into that, but we don't stay there. And that's, that's the reason that we, it's important, I think, to get together and be reminded of who we, who we are and what we are. Because it's there. And what happens for us when we go through this experience is that, that we shut that capacity down through the stories. And all of a sudden, we, it's, we've all done it. We move into, into resignation. We shut it down. When I was going to Asilomar, I, and I'll show you, I'm, I have a many, many wonderful friends in ministry. Reverend David Leonard called me months ago and said, I want you to speak in chapel at Asilomar. And that's a really wonderful honor. That's the place I first spoke when I was a really young minister, and that's how I ended up coming here. Somebody saw me and said, yeah, I like this guy. I think we could use him in Canada. Anyway, so, so um, David called me months ago and said, I want you to speak in chapel. I said, great. So what's, what's the theme? Let's love. And knowing David, if you know Reverend David Leonard, loves his, he's all about love. He's the guy that brought Greg Bear there. And, and um, so... I get to Asilomar, I open the program, and they list the speakers. And I said, David, I'm not in the program. He goes, oh, you sp- you're, you're doing Thursday. I go, oh, okay. And I spent the last month thinking about my talk in chapel, and what am I going to do, and pieces here, and pieces there. So I looked in the program again on Thursday. I said, well, I'm not in the program Thursday either. He said, well, you're part of the Taze. I said, oh, so I'm not speaking here. And he said, No. And I said, well, I'm fine with that. I'm relieved. I'm happy to go and not have to do any of that. But David was re- reluctant to tell me the truth because he didn't want to hurt my feelings. And I thought this, and I love this guy, and I know he loves me, but this is where we fall into that. Let's be nice. Let's not hurt anyone's feelings. And I just thought, this is such, so, it's so beautiful. It's such an example of how we don't, when we tell the truth and we tell it quickly, we can get on with it. And I love that guy. He's one of my favorite people of all time. And I adore him, and I would not have stayed in ministry if it hadn't been for him. So we, I, I was part of the Teze, and Teze is a beautiful music and, and uh, a sharing of... Uh, I had a poem that I did in the, in the Teze, and just an incredible experience that we did in the chapel. So anyway, the point being is that we see examples in our lives of all the, the forms of imitation love. And is it real love? And so Greg Bear's real love... He's got real love groups, and we're going to look at possibly doing that here. It won't be me pushing it. It'll be me just saying, hey, do you like this idea? Because it's, it's in a number of our centers, and it's very, very powerful. Uh, great stuff. Just, just wonderful, powerful stuff. He talked about children. I watched this with, in my own marriage with Laura. Um, he said that when, we, when a child colors, they love to color. They love to cra- do crayons. And he said, when you, they show you the drawing, and then you say, oh, that's wonderful. He said, immediately, you start to, the, the relationship starts to deteriorate. Because when we praise the coloring, all of a sudden, the, the child gets that when they color, 
that not only are they coloring, but they've got to make sure they please that person over there. And it's counterintuitive. But I've watched Laura do it with the boys. She loves them fiercely. They totally get it. They know. They, do, they stand fearless in the world, and they go out and they find their way. But she doesn't praise them. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because I, I have two sets of children in my life. The first two were praised and praised and praised. And, oh, my God, you're fantastic. Best thing since sliced bread. And they have really struggled to get, get off the schneid. And the other two have had their own struggles, but it hasn't been that. It's very interesting when, when Greg Bear talks about that, about how that, you'd think that, that would be something. But in, to be there in love and to nurture it. He's got a whole book, he's got a whole series on parenting real love, which we're going to be rolling out some of those ideas as we go along. But just phenomenal stuff. But without that, without that coaching, and it's an evolution of consciousness. Bringing Wayne Lee there never would have happened 10 years ago. We're not going to bring a hypnotist here. We don't teach hypnosis. Well, what do we do when we sit down and we say, take a deep breath? There's only one life. That life is God's life. When you ask me to pray with you, what we're doing, we're using words that impress upon and shift consciousness. Okay, it's not hypnosis. It's spiritual mind treatment. But it's in a relaxed state of awareness where we're permeable to some new ideas. So to me, it's not incongruent. Wayne calls it hypnosis. I call it spiritual mind treatment. Greg Bear is standing there and talking about unconditional love. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. The last, the last piece I want to leave with you, and next week I'm going to talk about the real love more. As, um, and I was talking to Diana, and what's your fiancé's name? Scott. Scott. So I told you I'd talk about this. John Scott, who's this amazing, beautiful minister from Jamaica. If you've ever been there, he's got the Temple of Light. It's a beautiful, beautiful building in Kingston. And I've been to Kingston, and it's not a, not a real affluent environment. He got up to speak, one of the keynote speakers, one of the last. And he got up, and he has this beautiful Jamaican accent. And he's talking about uh, the, the Rastas in Jamaica. And the reason I mention Scott and Diana is they have decided that Dr. John is going to marry them because they're going to Jamaica, and I think that's fantastic. There's no mistakes. So they're going, to be, they're going to be there. But Dr. John got up and he said, you know, the Rastas in, in Jamaica, they, know, they would never say, I appreciate you, because it ends with the word hate. I appreciate you. So he said, what they say when they see you is, I appreciate love you. I appreciate love you. Uh, wasn't that beautiful? I'd never think of that. So as we move forward with this, and it's really about finding things, the practice, the homework I give you today is to find something to, to appreciate love because it changes our vibration. When we appreciate, appreciate love, which used to be appreciate something, it shifts our vibration. It is the feeling tone of abundance. It is the feeling tone. It's simple to do. It's simple practices like that that keep us from slipping into that spin that for many of us we become hypnotized by. And then we become internally inspired rather than externally focused. And all the great teachers, all the great masters were internally inspired. All the great avatars, all the great teachers, all the ascended masters that walked on this planet were internally inspired. It's a subtle shift. It's a subtle shift, but it's so powerful. I was watching, last piece I'm going to tell I was watching uh, Olga Corbett. There was a, sh- a little... Sh- piece on Olga Corbett, the gymnast, on TV this morning. And they said what their, her coach did, which was different than it had ever been done before, was the focus, they trained her not to, to impress the judges, which is, which is imitation love, is it not? Isn't it what Greg Bear said, that I'll, give, I'll do this and you give me that back? I mean, that's really an example of it. But what it was, was it was 
they trained her to delight the audience. So that really her whole performance was about inspiring and delighting. It was really about giving. And that became the focus. What came back to her were phenomenal results. Changed gymnastics forever. But that was the shift in consciousness. That was the shift in awareness. So when we shift our awareness from, I have a gift to give. And as I continue to grow me spiritually, as I continue to, to, to make alive within me the unconditional love that I already am and, and seek to express, then the blessings that we, that we joy and delight in come to us automatically. We become a magnet for them. And that's the subtle shift. But it's counterintuitive. Isn't it amazing? But it's a beautiful thing. So I appreciate love you. And so it is. Mm-hmm.